Hey, everybody, this is Mark Stein, lead singer, keyboardist with Vanilla Fudge, and you're listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast with Robert Miller. Everyone has a dream. Robert Miller is a musician who had a dream to become a rock star. He followed his dream, and he succeeded. If you're ready to pursue and succeed at your dream, then listen up and get inspired and motivated to take action today. Welcome to the Follow Your Dream Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Follow Your Dream Podcast. My name is Robert Miller, and I am your host. I'm pleased to tell you that my Follow Your Dream Handbook is now out and available. The handbook is a combination memoir of my musical journey and a step-by-step how-to book. Plus, it's got a whole bunch of very cool photos of my life and my career. I wrote the handbook as an extension of this podcast to help everyone to pursue and succeed at their dream, whatever it may be. The reviews have been just spectacular. It's been called inspiring, extremely helpful, highly readable, the guiding light, and a true literary treasure. So pick up the Follow Your Dream Handbook today. It's available on Amazon and wherever books are sold. My guest today is Robbie Robinson, a true music man. He has worked with just about everybody, I think, from Tom Jones to Liza Minnelli, the Beach Boys, and even the Turtles, Flo and Eddie, to name just a few. And he's conducted symphony orchestras in London, Chicago, Dallas. Amazing. He's been featured on Broadway and The Tonight Show. And since 1978, he has been the musical director for Frankie Valli of the Four Seasons. He's a real slouch, as you can see. As you know, I feature a song of mine in every episode, underneath the introduction and at the end. And my featured song in this episode is a song that I wrote called Another One Like You from my album that I recorded during the pandemic called Summer of Love 2020. Now, it's really a love song, but hey, I don't know anyone who's another one like Robbie Robinson. So I thought it fit. And in the second half of this episode, I love to do a song fest with all of my musical guests. We play songs that they've picked out, that they're affiliated with, or that they've written, and we talk about them, and we have great fun, and nobody else in podcasts does anything like this. So, welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast, Robbie Robinson. Hello, Robert. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. All right. The first thing we got to do, Robbie, uh-huh. between you and Robbie Robertson of the band, one of you got to change your name. OK, and you, it's either a mud wrestle thing or something. But one of you got to change the name. I've been dealing with that my whole darn life and everybody. Oh, are you Robbie Robertson from the band? You know, and it's funny because people come up at a Frankie Valley concert and ask me to figure and they obviously don't know who Robbie Robertson is. He's a guitar player, songwriter from the band and. And that, and I say, yeah, I'm in a band and whatever. So it gets confusing, but I've had to live with it. And he's the rich and famous one. And I'm the music hat. I was going to say, if you could get his residuals, then it wouldn't make a difference, right? Exactly. <laughs> All right. 
But I mean, you are an all-star musician. I mean, when I saw your accomplishments, I was going gaga here. I like to start out my podcast asking my guests like you, was it always your dream when you were young to be a musician? You know what? One of the things I love about you and your show and the whole notion, the whole perspective of follow your dream. And that is my, that has been my dream. And that's been my philosophy since early. And I always knew early in the game, I wanted to be a musician. I couldn't do much else. I was no Mozart by any means, but I had a passion for music and I loved it. And I loved all kinds of music. And I knew that's what I wanted to do. You know, I started playing music when I was seven years old and or at least formally. And then I started playing in rock and roll bands when I was 14 and uh, still playing in a rock and roll band. All right. Hold on. I want to know what was the name of your band when you were 14? Well, I, uh, the band then was called the Rebels. The Rebels. Yeah. All right. And you were like a top 40 band. We actually were doing a lot of surf music. That very first early band. Yeah. Link Ray. Yeah, exactly. Ventures, right. safaris, and all that kind of stuff. Ventures. Walk, don't run. Yeah. And then, you know, one, one of the great blessings for me was later in my career, I had a chance to, to record with the Ventures, which was quite a kick. Oh, you know? serious. Wow. Are these guys still around? Oh, man, that was that was back in the 80s or the 90s when I did that. And uh, they weren't all around then. I don't know if any of them are still around anymore, to tell you all the right. truth. But you, you, if you were doing surf music, this must have been pre-Beatles, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was pre-Beatles. And I'm from, you know, the surf capital of the world, Litchfield, Illinois, which is in the heart of the s southern Illinois. But <laughs> you, uh, you were surfing on the rivers or what? <laughs> the yeah, streams? exactly. <laughs> and there was just, you know, and growing up in that in the 60s, well, all over this country, but particularly where I was from, southern Illinois, it's a little farm town of 7,000 people. But music just started taking hold of the nation, you know, and bands and all that kind of stuff. And uh, there were bands on every corner. And I was I'm close to St. Louis, about an hour from St. Louis. And there were a bunch of local bands that, well, Michael McDonald was one of the local bands at the time. And so was uh, REO Speedwagon. And those bands were just, you know, they were just local musicians, you know. But you started out, I take it, early 60s playing music there? Yeah, mid 60s. Yeah, Mid 60s. Okay. Uh -huh. Because, you know, I loved all that early 60s stuff, the oh, girl man. groups and all of that. I love that stuff. In fact, before I formed Project Grand Slam, I had a 60s cover band that I used wow. to love to play with. We called ourselves Side B, yeah, which, perfect. you know, guys perfect. of our age would get that. Uh -huh. Youngsters didn't understand it. Um, but that music, I thought, was some of the greatest music ever made. No doubt. 60s and the 70s, they were, I mean... And of course, if you, you know, close to home here is uh, if you look at Frankie Valley's music in the 60s and what they were doing in in those early days, they were really pioneers in the studio and they made some amazing records. I think you're 100 percent right. I mean, they, their story has been told. But two things about the four seasons that stick out in my mind. First of all, the handshake between yeah. Frankie and Bob Gordio, that that stood the test of time for so many years. And secondly, how cool Bob Gaudio's writing was. Bob Gaudio is an American genius. He's an, I, you know, I've, uh, I, I, I love music and I love to research music and I love to think and, you know, and, and, and just philosophize on music. And one of the things that you find that there's this magic thing that I can, 
amazing uh, thing connection that music can have. Mozart had it. He could write melodies that touch hearts and lives around the world for centuries. Right. Paul McCartney has it. Billy yep. Joel has it. Yep. Tchaikovsky has it. And Bob Gaudio has it. Yep. You're 100 percent right. 100 percent right. I wish we could figure that out. I wish we could formulize that, but there is no formula to that. It's just, there's some kind of a thing. It's, you know, there's Salieri with Mozart who, <laughs> who knew everything, but he couldn't connect like Mozart could, but, and Paul McCartney and Bob Gaudio, Hey, they have that. I've seen that with Frankie Valley music. Those songs that Bob Gaudio wrote have, they uh, people who come to our concerts, they they're teenagers to nineties. It's amazing. And I see teenagers singing along to those songs that it it, it uh, crosses all generational boundaries. They have stood the test of time for sure. And uh, they, they, they were great songs. And you're right. To me, music is all about memorable melodies. Everything else enhances the melodies. Amen. But if you don't have a melody that's memorable, what do you have? And frankly, there's a lot of music that I hear particularly in jazz. And, and mm -hmm. I love jazz and I'm a jazz musician myself, but so much of it, there's no melody. I'm that's just right. listening to a lot of blowing and I don't hear a melody anywhere, certainly not anything that's memorable. But you look back on what happened in the early 60s, the mid 60s, the Beatles, everybody that you mentioned, just fantastic melodies. You know, and well, we could go off and digress on all kinds of uh, perspectives on why music is not happening. Uh, and that's a whole nother nine yards. So maybe we don't need to go down that road. I'm just wondering, did you did you happen to watch that new series about McCartney, McCartney 321? No, I'd love to see it. I'm not even aware of it. Oh, you don't know about this. He, no, he, he, it's him with Rick Rubin just talking about all his songs. Wow. And just spectacular. I've mentioned this before on the podcast, and I, I'm saying it just because I, I love McCartney. And it's a great show because it's the underneath on mm. McCartney. OK, he's just talking about his music and the music of the band. And it was just spectacular. It's like three, four five episodes, something like that. I think it's on Acorn or Hulu, one of those cable services. Wow. OK, but I want to go to your career because you've had an amazing career. Did you go to music school? Well, I went to Southern Illinois University in Edwardsville, Illinois. It's a, uh, it's a small, you know, well, it's a, it's a state university and, uh, I studied music and I would, I went the first year, uh, as a music major, majoring in piano and, and studying composition, conducting and all that kind of stuff. And then I started going out on the road and I'd go out on the road for a semester, come back and do another semester and go in and out and do that. But so I, yes, I did have a, college education. I started formal piano lessons when I was seven. And so I've had a pretty, pretty good uh, music education. But I would say I probably I learned more on the job when you are able to write for a symphony orchestra and then you get to stand in front of a world class symphony orchestra and hear that back. There's nothing like, oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. And the more you do that, the more you learn. All right. I want to talk about that because the divergence of things that you've done in music is quite remarkable. I mean, you just talked about standing up in front of a symphony orchestra and then you're, you're also playing with Flo and Eddie and the turtles. I mean, <laughs> talk about yin and yang. Okay. Now what came first? Were you doing the rock and roll stuff first 
Did you play with Tom Jones and Liza Minnelli first, or were you doing everything at one time? Well, when I, when I was still in elementary school, I was studying classical music. And then at 14 is when I started playing in rock and roll bands. And then that kind of evolved into, well, I became a Hammond organ, passionate lover of the Hammond organ. Uh, I mean, so much. So I'm a Hammond artist and I actually own 12 Hammond organs. If you come on that <laughs> I know. 12 Hammond organs. Hey, you know, you've, doesn't everybody need it? You've cornered the market. <laughs> I love Hammond. How so many Jimmy's, Leslie speakers do you have? Oh, gosh, six or seven. Something <laughs> like that. I want you to know when I was in high school, I was playing with a band and we had a guy that played the Hammond organ and he had a VW bug. Yeah, and somehow sure. he took everything out of that VW bug and he fit the Hammond organ and a Leslie speaker in there right. and himself in a VW bug. Oh, I thought you were meant a, a van, not a, a van, bug. a bug, you know, the Beatles. Oh, that's all. That's crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. But I love that sound, too. Who were your favorite uh, Hammond guys growing up? Well, in the rock and roll world, Felix Cavallari right. and Mark Stein. Those two guys. And I know that you've had uh, Mark as a guest and Mark. I always say you hear in my playing. There's some Felix in there and there's some Mark Stein in there. Those two guys were my biggest heroes in terms of the rock thing. As far as the jazz thing, Jimmy Smith. Right. Uh, I mean, I don't think you can play Hammond organ without being influenced by Jimmy. And so Jimmy kind of led me into like more of a jazz, the jazz world. And so I started doing those gigs around st louis where it was just the jimmy smith trio kind of things with guitar organ and drums and that was a lot of fun yeah you know what uh, mark stein from the vanilla fudge that's who we're talking about and felix cavalieri from the rascals when i had mark on the program which was very recent you know he he kind of worshiped felix he told me that you know he kind of sat at the foot of felix and just listened and watched the rascals as they were doing their thing yeah, no doubt. And Felix, if you're a rock organ player of almost any generation, but particularly of my generation and a couple on each side, you cannot. Mar I mean, Felix Cavallari was the guy he we all learned from him. And I still have things that I do from him. But then, as you say, Mark was influenced hugely by him and Mark influenced me directly. And both those guys. Have been my heroes my whole life. But now they're both dear friends and it's kind of it's a bizarre thing when your heroes become your friends and it's kind of surreal. It is a nice thing. You know, one of the great byproducts of this podcast is that I have been able to establish such nice relationships with so many great musicians and others just because we have a good time. You know, we're talking and we've got stuff in common and uh, you're right. It's it takes it to a whole different level. I mean, the music business is really so small and, and the older you get, it gets smaller and smaller. And if you're still surviving in this crazy <laughs> business, then you tend to know at least one separation from everybody else. You know, <laughs> my recent guest, John Melora transitioned from working for NASA into becoming a fabulous award-winning portrait photographer. How about that for following your dream? His creative and empowering portraits enable his subjects to be seen, heard, and look beautiful. Contact him today for your portrait. Just go to melorafoto.com. That's M-O-L-L-U-R-A photo.com. 
All right. I want to go to the classical stuff. I mean, yeah. you're a conductor for these mammoth, extraordinary symphony orchestras. Tell us how that happened and what did it feel like? Well, it, I mean, Frankie Valley, thank you very much. I mean, I learned classical music as a kid and I studied conducting and orchestration and all that kind of stuff. And I always was a very eclectic musician, so, um, eclectic musician. Uh, Duke Ellington puts it this way. There are two kinds of music. There's good. And then there's the other kind. Right. And the reality is that's true. And I love all kinds of music, classical, jazz, pop, R&B, funk, soul, surf even, you know. And so uh, I but I had all this classical background and but I was doing I was always, as I said, a very eclectic musician in when our bands were working around Southern Illinois and then starting to tour around the country and different things we would do. Our repertoire consisted of Beethoven, Frank Zappa, Miles Davis, Weather Report. I mean, it was a very diverse <laughs> uh, repertoire. You know, I, I talk about this on the podcast. Bill Graham in particular used to put together shows right, that were right. fantastic. Okay. I once was at the Fillmore East and, you know, I saw Miles Davis opening for the who. Okay. And it wild? was just spectacular because neither, neither band, neither artist was known to the other person's fans. And it, this expanded their reach so much. Now you don't find things like that. Everything has to be homogenous. Amen. And it's so, so disappointing, you know, that it is because I go back to the Duke Ellington quote, you know, there's no reason why somebody can't love a classical Mozart piece and then sit down and hear a Miles Davis piece and then hear a piece by the Beatles and then hear a piece by Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons and like all of those. I'm with you on this. I really am. Okay. But I want to find out what was the first symphony orchestra that you led? Well, with so uh, Frankie early, I mean, I was because uh, I've been with Frankie now since 1978. So since I'm a young guy, really, and uh, we and he started getting these symphony gigs. And so I wrote all the charts and I stood up and conducted the thing, conducted the orchestra. And it was Frankie's music that you were conducting for. Exactly. And then I would write the overtures and all these extra things. And we've we've had a chance to play with oh, so many of the great world class symphonies, the London Symphony, the National Symphony, the Chicago Symphony, on and on and on. I got to tell you a little personal thing. I was in Las Vegas with my wife. It must have been 15 or 20 years ago. Uh -huh. And who did we see one evening? But Frankie Valley. Where was it? Do you remember? It was a, it was one of the casinos that was off the strip. So I don't uh -huh. recall exactly where it was. I mean, musically, it was spectacular. Uh -huh. But the, the thing that I remember was you had Frankie standing up there. And I, I'm sorry, I don't remember if you were in the band. You probably I, were. Yeah, I was in the band, yes. But everybody else in the band, it, it looked to me like they were all 12 years old. Okay, if you <laughs> added them all up, they weren't as old as Frankie. <laughs> That's true. We tend to, uh, well, we we have a quite a broad spectrum of age uh, in the band. Actually, right now we have, I think, 20-somethings, 30-somethings, 40-somethings, 50-somethings, 60-somethings, 70-somethings, and 80-somethings. So how's that? I'm glad because back then I thought they were all around bar mitzvah age. So. <laughs> well, you know, of course, how the how crazy the music business is. You can be 50 years old and look like you're 22 as well. You know, one of the great things about Frankie Valley, he's still out there. He's still doing it. And his voice is still great, isn't it? This guy 
he's beyond explanation. He's 87 years old. Oh, come on. For real. 87 years old. He shows no sign of slowing down physically, vocally, mentally. It's just bizarre. And like I said, he and I talk every day, five days a week. And he's, we're still touring. He's, we're going down to do about, uh, well, about six shows a month for the rest of the year. Wow. I mean, all over the country. It's crazy. And the voice is still as good as it. Well, maybe not as when he was in his twenties or early thirties, he's lost. I mean, we've had to lower some of those super high keys on some of those falsetto songs, but no, it's amazing. You know, you, you look at people like Tony Bennett. Now he's a little bit older. Um, and he was going so strong for a long, long time, but I think recently he's had to, uh, cut it back or cut it off. I think it's, I think it finally, he finally had to retire. Yeah. That's what I heard just recently from a promoter, but here's the thing about Frankie. You're right about Tony Bennett, Bert Bacharach is out there doing things. Herb Alpert, there are a few guys of his generation, but none of them are going out and doing big rock shows like Frankie in front of thousands. I mean, we had 10,000 people a couple of weeks ago at the Mohegan sun. Amazing. Really amazing. And you know, th- look, I'm not going to name names, but there are a number of rock guys, singers where the voice didn't hold up. Okay. Exactly. They a just, lot they blew action. it out. They blew it out. I'm always amazed that Mick Jagger can still be doing it because, you know, he must take very good care of his voice that they're still able to play as extensively as they do. And he sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. I would elaborate on one thing. I think that, and I've never met Mick Jagger and never even heard him live. But one thing that I, I'm sure is compared to Frankie, they, they, he equates to Frankie Valley this way. Both of them are super tenacious. You can just see they are driven. They're passionate about what they do and they go to all, all the extremes and I'll take all the measures to make sure that they can perform the way they need to perform. Right. You know, if you're a a live performer like a Frankie or a a Mick Jagger, you really, it, it behooves you to stay in shape and to practice and be tenacious and, and make sure that it's as perfect as you can make it. Absolutely. And I've never met a more tenacious human being than Frankie Valley. His success is no accident. He obviously had an amazing gift, uh, his vocal, his voice, but he's so driven, so tenacious. And he always brought together a team of brilliant people around him and always pushed people like Bob. And he saw that talent in Bob Gaudio and he pushed Bob Gaudio and he connected with Bob Gaudio. He saw Bob crew. He saw Charlie Colello. He saw Artie Shrek, these brilliant engineers, Tom Dowd, who, who engineered some of the records and stuff. I mean, on every aspect, you know, he was always driven and to make things better. You know, just coincidentally, one of my grandkids was watching Greece uh-huh. the other day. And sure enough, you know, his theme song for the movie comes on.
That was a spectacular performance. It is. And that was a written by Barry Gibb. Right. Uh, and produced by Barry Gibb. And, and uh, Barry has given Frankie amazing accolades. He calls him one of the greatest pop singers of all time. And he knew that that song was perfect for Frankie Valley. He couldn't think of anybody else to, to sing it. But now Frankie has said this many, many times. If Barry had realized what a big hit record that was going to be, he probably <laughs> would have sung it. I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're right. Nobody wants to give away hits like that. I, I remember reading a story about um, a song by the, the Beatles called I Want to Be Your Man that they had Ringo sing in A Hard Day's Night. And they gave it to the Rolling Stones. That was the Rolling Stones first single. And wow. they gave it to them because John Lennon said, oh, this is nothing. Let me just give it away. Uh, <laughs> you know, they were friends, of course. So you do have all of the, And then, of course, the Beatles wrote so many songs for other artists. Yes, yes. So that yeah, was I something. Think Cliff, I met Cliff Richard, the, not Cliff Richard. Uh, oh, darn it. I can't think. Uh, one of the guys from that uh, who was managed by the same management company. And and the, he still has a bunch of tracks of Beatles songs that he's recorded that have never been released. Amazing. All right. So listen, I want to go into the second half of our show. Okay. We've got some music that we're going to listen to and we're going to talk about because this kind of shows the, the breadth of uh, Robbie Robinson's talent here. The first thing that's starting up now playing underneath us is something called Can't Heat Sweet. a little bit about that okay when i first moved to california in 1976 it was kind of a fairy tale in a way because i didn't know anybody my brother is a bass player we both came out together and i saw alphonse muzan's business card at the guitar center and i called him up knowing alphonse muzan who was the founding drummer for weather report world-renowned drummer right and uh jazz fusion i called him up and he said and uh, just somehow I connected with him and he says, I want to come and hear you guys. So he came and jammed with my brother and I. And uh, the first thing he and then he said, I want you to be in my band. And a month later, we were doing a, a live album at the Roxy with Blue Note All Stars. It was just an amazing record. So that just jumped right into it. And I got involved in the jazz fusion scene in the 70s here in Los Angeles. And we got connected with a guy named Les DeMerrill, who is a great fusion jazz drummer and who's remained a, to a dear friend to this day. 
And this was a song that I wrote for that band. We used to play every Monday night at the Cellar Theater with all these amazing musicians. Manhattan Transfer used to come in, Eddie Harris, Carmen Apice, Carmen Apice, I should say. Uh, Carmina Peace, to be official. Right, from the French. And all these guys, uh, brilliant, brilliant. And uh, playing on it is uh, Emmett Chapman, who invented the stick, the Chapman stick. Ah, okay. And uh, so this is a piece I wrote for that band, and it, we, it was a lot of fun, that whole. But this recording is from 1977 or 78. We recorded it at Gold Star when we did that album. Very cool. It had nothing to do with Can't Eat the Band, I take it. Well, I, yes, it did in a in a sideway uh when i had been in illinois i had just moved out to california from illinois and i had written this song when we opened my local band opened the show for canned heat and uh i wrote this song as it got inspired and wrote this instrumental song and it's it's a little adventurous you know All but right. uh i listened back to it here 45 years later and i just enjoy it always very cool. I, I liked it a lot. Very, very cool. I think cool. you'll have Emma Chapman is playing the the stick. And if people don't know who the stick is, Emma Chapman invented this instrument called the stick. And it's you tap it kind of. And it's an amazing instrument as Genesis uses it. Uh, Tony Levin, a bunch of different people use it. And it's uh, you'll hear it. And I do. I'm playing synthesizer and piano and organ on this. You'll, and amazing musicians, too. Yep. Okay, we're going to go to the next song, which is um, a, a very cool thing. You did kind of a remake of the Peppermint Twist. a little bit about that i loved it uh joey d is a dear dear friend of mine not joey d francesco but joey d both of those guys are actually was joey d in the starlighters Star was that that's it? right okay got it and joey d had he wrote the peppermint twist he had his band was at the peppermint lounge in the early 60s there and it was everybody in the world came in there from jackie kennedy to the beatles to uh every major star and and uh, I've always loved that song. And so I collaborated with a young lady that I've been collaborating, doing a lot of collaborations uh, this through the pandemic. Her name is Sarah Nimitz. And um, uh, she and I did this version of the Peppermint Twist. And it's uh, it's sort of an updated version, I think. And uh, Joey loves it, too, which it, it made. And uh, it's a tribute to Joey. The whole concept is Joey D taught the world how to Peppermint Twist. <laughs> You know, it's 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 a fun, fun, updated version, and I like that. And I love to do reimagined versions of iconic songs. My era was the British Invasion era, and so every album that my band has done, I've I've done a reimagined version of somebody's great hit. 
And I always feel like you want to do something different when you do a cover, okay? If it's a slavish, you know, replication of the original, I kind of say to myself, what do we need that for? What's the point? That's what Frankie Valley says, by the way, if you look at his repertoire, he had a hit record with Under My Skin and a couple other things that were covers of other for other artists, but he always did it his way. And he preaches that every day. Well, uh, I, I learned that lesson and I, and I believe in it completely. So this was a fun, fun version of the Peppermint Twist. It was that early 60s kind of feel to it, which I loved, you know, the chubby, chubby checker twist right. and Joey D and the Starlighters are just great, just great. Okay, we're going to go to the third one that you've given me. Um, this is Frankie Valley appearing in London. With the BBC Concert Orchestra, conducted by Robbie Robinson, it is an honour to say these words. Welcome to the stage, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons! Tell us a little bit about this. When did it happen? And I take it you're the one that's conducting the symphony there. Yes, I'm the conductor. And uh, that was at the, um, what do they call that? Uh, Oh, gosh. That was about four or five years ago. And um, in London, they have this big festival, classical festival every year. And it's 40 concerts at the park. What is it? It will come to me. Yeah, well, yeah, that was at Hyde Park in front of literally 40,000 people. And then it was broadcast to all over uh, all over uh, Britain and uh, with the BBC Orchestra. And uh, with and that was an amazing night uh, live. And uh, this is Frankie going through doing his greatest hits, I take it. Yes, exactly. Uh huh. And how many people in it was the, the audience must have been huge. Forty thousand. Wow. It was crazy. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. You mentioned this is the last song we're going to do now. You mentioned that you're, you're doing work with uh, Sarah Nimitz. Tell us a little bit about Sarah. She's a great singer. And the, uh, the last song here is called Will to Win. Go to work before the sun is up and don't return until the moon is in the sky. Every night, dreaming of the game. And when we're fighting just to stay alive, I know the spirit inside is The time until the day arrives And every moment I am closer to the past Alive, live the life I live we never quit until we hit a wall And then it's only before we've got it up again Put me in and let the game begin I hear the music getting me to the goal Relentlessly Yes, so- 
Yeah. Uh, that was a, a song that uh, it was inspired during the pandemic. I was really kind of uh, having this opportunity to get creative in a whole different way. I have been a touring musician for decades and decades. And then all of a sudden, the pandemic stopped touring pretty much overnight. And so uh, I had to channel my creativity into other adventures. And Sarah, I had known this young lady, and she is literally a genius. She's a genius singer, genius songwriter, and a genius video editor, too. She, and uh, the two of us have found that we can pretty much write a song and complete a recording and a video within about a 48-hour period. Mm. Uh, and so we, can, we just have a great creative chemistry and uh this is a song called the will to win that's inspired by the idea that it takes that tenacious perspective to succeed in anything whether it be music or in sports or anything that will to win that we all have to if you want to be successful in any endeavor in life you have to have that drive that passion that will to win yep i agree with you okay what's in the future for robbie robinson too much music, too little time. That's been my story of my life. I, I wish I'm everybody could see the, the studio that he's talking in because <laughs> you got more stuff in that studio than Don's has pills, as we used to say. <laughs> now you are aging yourself, Robert. <laughs> I, I, one of the things I want to do is I want to start going out and doing symphony concerts because there's, I love conducting orchestras and I love arranging for orchestras and I see that as a vehicle. I love writing. I love composing. And I love kind of, I've been a conductor, arranger, music director for so many different people. And it's fun for me to kind of get in the spotlight myself and, and get a chance to start making some records, my own records and uh, stuff like that. I can imagine. Plus you got to figure out a way to use all those Hammond organs that you've got. That's on. I love Hammond organ. I mean, I really, really have a passion. My wife tells me I'm going to be buried in one. <laughs> well, you could probably put you and the Hammond and the Leslie in a VW beetle. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's amazing. He could, that could happen. Okay. So listen, you know, this is a podcast called follow your dream. And um, I started this in order to try and inspire and motivate people to follow their dream, whatever it is. I was a guy that I was sure that I was going to be a musician and a rock star from my early age. And I got detoured, not just for a week or a year, but decades. Finally, about six years ago, I, I just jumped into the deep end of the pool and did music full time. And it's been a fantastic experience for me. But I always want to ask my guests like you, people that have been successful, have followed their dream, their passion. What would you say? What would be your advice to those people out there who have a dream, maybe just never pursued it or just haven't been successful? Well, first of all, I applaud you, Robert, and, and I commend you for following your passion, following your dream. I mean, in that, and I buy into that philosophy 100%. Life is too short not to do what you really love to do. And the old saying, of course, is if you, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And that's been my, I, I wake up in the morning and I'm so thankful to get down and roll into the studio and get to work. I mean, it's not, Oh gosh, I got to go make music or something. Right. But I would encourage anybody to follow the dream. I go back to life is too short, figure out what you want to do. Sometimes that takes some doing. Sometimes you have to reach out and, and, 
think outside of the box what you might maybe you can be an astronaut maybe you can be an, an arctic explorer who knows what you want to be maybe you want to be a submarine captain who knows but there are things outside of your own little sphere so go for it go for it with all the gusto and you'll and you'll love what you do words of wisdom from robbie robinson robbie i want to thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast you were awesome Thank you so much, Robert. I appreciate you and I appreciate what you're doing. And thanks for being, for having me on your show. Okay. Now we're going to listen again to the song that we had underneath the introduction. It's my song called Another One Like You. It's a love song that I wrote for my wife, actually. And it's on Summer of Love 2020, the album that I put out during the pandemic. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss another inspiring episode. You can connect with Robert at robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. And you can hear more from his band at projectgrandslam.com and at thepgsstore.com. Dream.